You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to the Weekend Mailbag Edition of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. As always, make sure you're following the show at Lockdown Bengals on Twitter. You can follow me at Jake underscore NFL and follow James at James Rapine. We've got a packed mailbag today, James. Over 100 responses to our solicitation tweet asking you for your questions. Obviously, we're going to answer all 103 in this episode. No problem. 30 No, that's not, that's too many. Five seconds per question, James. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. I'm just kidding. We've got about Uh 14 questions and we we talked about something. We're going to try something new. We're going to see how it goes when we get there. Uh, We're going to try maybe a lightning round. 30 seconds at most. Only one of us will answer the questions and, and that means we don't get to go back and forth. So we'll see how it goes. And, and what I think is going to actually happen, James, is we're going to get to the first question and then you're going to disagree with me or I'm going to disagree with you or feel like there's some nuance that we have to add. And then and then we're not going to do a, a, a flash round at all. I don't know. I'm in a good mood. I'm not in an argumentative mood. So we'll see how it goes. Maybe I'll just let it go. We'll, we'll see. You might not let it go, though, Jake. You've been edgy lately. I'm not sure. I was just yesterday. I'm, I'm all right today. Yesterday, some things are going on today. Today, things are level, but let's get into it, James. The first question of this edition of the Lockdown Bengals mailbag comes from Mason Young at BengalsFan underscore 26 on Twitter, and we tried to get some new people in the mailbag. There are definitely some returners. I believe this is Mason's first question. Welcome to the mailbag, Mason. He asks, do you trust Travion Williams enough to trade a great back like Gio? And this is a great question because of the Giovanni Bernard trade rumors that Tom Pelissero tweeted about earlier on Thursday. I do. And it's not really trusting Travion Williams. It's trusting Samaj P. Ryan and what he he brought last year with Joe Mixon out. And honestly, when you made the decision to pay Joe Mixon and extend him four years, $48 million, trading Giovanni Bernard this offseason should have been the plan. And maybe doing it mid-season before the trade deadline might have been in play until Mixon got hurt. And obviously, Giovanni Bernard was a big part of the Bengals' offense in 2020 because of Mixon's injury. But yes, I'm absolutely, uh, absolutely on board with listening to offers for Giovanni Bernard. This team, for years, from A.J. Green recently to, and we can just go on and on, all these guys that have walked, they haven't traded him when they could have gotten something for value and then they lose them for nothing. I don't want to do that with Giovanni Bernard next year. And I expect the Bengals to be aggressive in free agency again next year. So even if they lose Giovanni Bernard, guess what? The compensatory picks and all that, you can't really bank on that. So to me, yes, if you can get something of value for Giovanni Bernard, absolutely. That doesn't mean I'm trading him away for a seventh round pick. But if I can get a fourth or a fifth rounder, plus you save some cap space and you can use that on a Trey Turner... Well, then, yeah, I'm uh, I'm certainly interested in doing so. Here's my thing, James, is I'm only interested in trading Geo for the right compensation, because at this point in free agency, 
I have a really hard time seeing the Bengals exhausting their remaining $23.5 million in cap space. Even if they go out and do some extensions, and we're going to talk about some extensions and those impacts on the cap, I think we have some questions about that coming up. They have an inexhaustible amount of cap space this season for, for the point in free agency we're at. Unless they get in on a guy like Jadavion Clowney and end up giving him a, a $12 million a year deal, $15 million a year deal or something, which I don't even know if that's advisable. I, I, I again, don't really see how they exhaust this cap space. So when I evaluate at this point in free agency, the idea of trading Giovanni Bernard, I'm not worried about the cap at all. Trey Turner, uh, Lane, Lane Johnson, uh, if they want to go get the, the oft injured lately Green Bay Packers guard, the, the couple guys we've talked about in the last couple of days that they're looking at to be backup guards, Larry Warford, none of those guys are touching their cap number. Maybe if they want to go get Russell Okung and, and figure out which of these guys is going to move into guard again, that that could be a big one year cap hit. Don't see them doing that. So to me, it comes down to what's the return. I'm not trading Geo unless I think that what I get in exchange is, is better both in the short term and the long term because without having spent on the interior of this offensive line, and again, maybe they sign Trey Turner or, or somebody, or maybe they don't, Giovanni Bernard's ability to pass protect and know where he should be as a pass protector on third downs, his receiving ability is still valuable. And then I don't care about the money. So for me at this point, I don't care about the money. I don't care about the cap space. And so the trade of Giovanni Bernard is what makes the team best in 2021 and beyond. There's a, there's a chance that there's a return that, that I think is better than what Gio provides to the team this year. But it has to be a tangible benefit for me to do the trade at this point. Fourth round pick from the Green Bay Packers. Yes or no? 135th overall, because I would say yes right now. Send him to Lambeau. Lambeau, leap it up, Gio. I think that's really close because how how often do you get a fourth-round pick that contributes in year one? Maybe eventually that player it, it can contribute and develop. That's more of a developmental piece. I guess the, the one big upside there is it gives you another swing in the draft, which is important. We've talked about needing more picks. It gives them flexibility to move up in the third or second round, potentially, if they're interested in moving up a couple spots to secure a guy they really like. Not that that's something that they often do, but they don't have those compensatory picks like they used to when they could take extra swings in the draft. I don't know. I'm more inclined personally, James, for it to be involved in a pick swap kind of deal where the Bengals send, you know, Geo and a fourth for somebody's you know, mid to mid to high third round pick an early ish mm-hmm. third round pick. And that way you, you get an extra earlier pick getting picks in the top 100 is much more appealing to me than adding picks in the, you know, what, what, what was it? 130 range. One thirty, so, Yeah. It'd be 135th overall. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, that doesn't move the needle as much as a top 100 pick. So I'd be looking for something like that if I was, if it was a draft pick kind of trade. And I don't think, by the way, because there are some that are going to say, well, you can get that straight up. You're not, I don't think you're going to get that straight up for Geo. It's just probably not going to happen. I, I also think I'm going to just throw out some other teams. I think Arizona could certainly be interested. You know, they lose Kenyon Drake. Why not trade for a guy in Giovanni Bernard that could pair with Chase Edmonds and be a, a really good one two punch? Tampa Bay, I've mentioned them on the podcast. I think Giovanni Bernard would be perfect for them. 
And and I agree with you for the most part on Gio. Um, you don't want to just give him away to give him away because he's in the final year of his deal. With that said, if I can get a fourth rounder, I'm sign me up. And even if it's a late fourth rounder, because it is one that that could be the next Marvin Jones, right? That could be the next. We talk about wide receivers here, or in in tackles and guards, and you know all these different needs. Giovanni Bernard is probably not going to be a Bengal in 2022. They paid Joe Mixon to be this three down back. Well, damn it, Joe, you better, you better learn to block or gain the trust to block in, in maybe that's part of it is they, they think that he can do that and take on that role moving forward, because that's certainly something that we need to see in his game. If he's going to maximize his, his potential. Um, so I guess there's a, a two way, uh, two ways to go about it here. If Gio, if they trust Mixon anyway, then Gio might not play nearly as much in, in 2021. And if that's the case and they know it now, then they should trade him. Yeah. If they don't have a plan for him, sure. It's all about the on-field stuff, though, at this point. That's the big point that I want to make sure is, is sure. understood, is that the money at this point in free agency. Yeah, they have plenty of cap space. And they're and they're like one of the bottom third spending teams in cash in 2021. They, they are currently, they're currently being cheap. I hate to throw it out there. They have time to spend money and not be cheap anymore, but currently they're a bottom third spending team in 2021 in the NFL. I do expect that there's plenty of time for them to change that, but they have to change it to not be cheap. Uh, we just spent nine minutes on the Giovanni Bernard question, James, so we'll have to get back into the mailbag here coming up next. April is nearly upon us, James, and that means draft season is almost upon us and March Madness is wrapping up. And both of those are very popular places for people to place some bets. And bet online is the easiest way to get in to betting on all that sports action. They've got NBA props. We talked about March Madness, draft props. NHL is in full swing, too. If you're a hockey fan, I'm up in Canada. I'm surrounded by him. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. They cover the whole gamut. They've got real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, and they've got you covered for news as well. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website right now, sign up, and use promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code LOCKDOWN at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Let's keep things rolling here with the weekend mailbag. And Matthew Wayne is up next at Matty Wayne on Twitter. He says they didn't necessarily sit on their hands, but they didn't get the guard that they so badly needed. With the losses of Carl Lawson and William Jackson III, did the Bengals meet your free agency expectations? Well, there's a poll on this question today that Daddy O. McDuke put up on the Twitters. And I gave him a C which some people thought was generous. And honestly, I get where those people are coming from because we went into this free agency period, as you point out, Matty Wayne, knowing that the Bengals needed to upgrade their interior offensive line. Riley Reef is a signing that I'd like. He should upgrade the right tackle position. He should provide better performance there. He's not going to be perfect. Anyone expecting him to go out there and be Andrew Whitworth at right tackle and, and give up, you know, maybe one pressure a game, he's not going to quite be that guy most likely, although he was very, very good in pass protection in 2020. So I like Riley Reef, 
but they didn't do anything to improve the interior offensive line. And Trey Hopkins may or may not be ready for opening day. So they could have gone out and gotten a center. They still could. They could have gone out and got a guard. They still could. But at this point, that's one area where they haven't met my expectations. And the other area where they haven't met my expectations is in terms of cash spend. Mentioned this in the first segment of the show, James. I'm expecting, I was expecting them to spend probably another $20 million or so in free agency in 2021 cash. And, and they could shell out a lot of cash still to some extensions if they want to go extend Jesse Bates. They want to go extend Sam Hubbard, both of which are things I think the team is interested in doing. That could result in some big cash spend. Should not result in big cap hit, however. And so, you know, they've got this $23.5 million of cap space left, and I'm sitting here waiting to see how they're going to spend it. I will say a couple things I did like that they that they did. I liked how they structured some of the deals to minimize the year one cap hit. I wish they would have gone a step further and done that in more of the deals they gave out and then put up more cash to bring in more players. And then you would just have more players on the roster right now for potentially the same amount of cap space. So it's kind of been a a mixed bag in a lot of ways. They've replaced some guys that they needed to replace. They've gotten some pretty solid players on the defensive side of the ball. I like Riley Reef. It's a case where I don't dislike the players they've brought in. It's the play. It's the moves they haven't made. It's the things they haven't done that I think they there's still work to do, and they're running out of time to do it. That's the problem. Is a couple of days ago I was somewhere on one of the many places I've interviewed and been asked about you know the Bengals free agency and stuff, and I think I gave them an 81 out of 100, which it, you know depending on the grading scale is a solid C. Right. But, uh, you know, it, it, to me, it's dropped since then. And they've added players since then. It's not because of the players they've added. It's because you're you're much closer to Trey Turner finding a destination now. It, you just are. And I get it. They're, they're, they might be waiting it out. They may have made Trey an offer and said, hey, this is our offer. Take it or leave it. And And they may get it right. But until they get that guy in here, there's going to be angst about the offensive line. And even afterwards, there will but at least you have a proven pro bowler that you're hoping rekindles that after a year of injury, right? And it's not just him. I mean, I mean, there are guys that they could br- bring in. To me, and it's three free agents as at 6.47 p.m. as we're recording this on Thursday night. You bring in a Trey Turner, a Sammy Watkins, and a Ryan Kerrigan. Suddenly I feel much, much different about what they've done, right? And none of those guys are in their primes. None of those guys are going to be pro bowlers in 2021, but it just increases that depth. And so hopefully that is their plan as they're like, okay, we can still nickel and dime our way through free agency with these type guys because we missed out on the big fish. We didn't get the Joe Tooney of the world. Brandon Scherf never hit free agency for us to make a run at him. Taylor Moten never hit free agency. So this is how we're going to do it. And I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think Watkins is going to end up in Baltimore, and he's visited both of them. I wouldn't be shocked at all if uh, Kerrigan ends up somewhere else. And Trey Turner, it seems like the Bengals might be lukewarm on him, and we haven't heard anything about Larry Warford. So who knows what their starting right guard is going to be. So if you leave free agency without a starting right guard, without any other wide receiver help, and there really isn't anyone that's going to fill in as a wide receiver three outside of Watkins to me, and so you're really going into the draft worried about that. And your pass rush, 
the biggest argument for your pass rush being better is a cornerback and Mike Hilton because he's a good nickel blitzer. Yeah, Larry Ogunjobi, he's an upgrade. So if you want to make that argument, fine. But it certainly isn't Trey Hendrickson over Carl Lawson. That's concerning. So I'm at like, I went from like an 81 to as we record this, a 75. You get those other deals done, Bengals, and we could be talking about a solid BB plus. So the, the opportunity is there, but tick, 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 the clock is ticking. And there are going to be other teams that are interested in those guys as they're probably yep. some of the best options available at those positions, like you said. So it does make it hard. And I'll throw one more guy out there. Get one of the Nick Easton or Brett Jones to be a backup or, or to compete mm-hmm. in camp to go along yep. with those guys. Then you feel suddenly, I mean, I personally feel a lot better about free agency. The next question that we have, we, we've just kind of answered, but I want to shout the guy out. Slamuel at the Sam Feist asked if there was still enough cap space left to tr- to sign a Trey Turner or a Larry Warford. Ryan Kerrigan's cap hit shouldn't be terribly large. At, at most, I could see that being like a six and a half million ish cap hit. I think that would be a lot of money for him. So even if you do that, you could, and, and say you do that and Trey Turner wants 10 million a year. Cause he says, you know what? Last year I was hurt. I'm a pro bowler. There's still enough money to get that done. So let's go to our next, next question, James from who day and the blowfish. Somebody we haven't talked about very much is Trey Wayne's James and at who day and the B I F S H. That's the Twitter handle. That's a hard one. Wants to know, what are your expectations for Trey Waynes after he was signed to that big contract last year and then got hurt and didn't play at all? He needs to have the best season of his career. Simple, point blank, in the best season of his career because he got played like a CB1, uh, paid like a CB1. He's never been that uh, from a performance standpoint. Missed all of last year. He should be entering his prime, right? This is what he needs to do. And it's very much a prove-it year for Trey Waynes to a degree that it was for William Jackson III. They can cut Waynes after this 2021 season. And there is a, a little, I think, a $5 million cap hit or something like that. And it might be a little more. My point is, is he needs to prove himself. And they paid him like a one. So my expectation isn't for him to necessarily be a one. Because that's, he might be their one. But I, I don't put him in that category. But I need him to have the best season of his career be as, as solid as he can be in, in, in tracking the ball. When we think of Trey Wayne's 10 years from now, I want to think back to the 2021 season. Like, yeah, that, that made us scratch our heads when they signed him, but he was pretty good in 2021. That's what I want. So that's, that's a lot there. And I don't want to give you stats or a certain amount of interceptions or anything. I just need him to be really damn good. And that's, uh, that's the bar's pretty high for that. I would say. I would say that would be the best case scenario, but that is far from my expectation. When I talk about expectations, I always talk about what I think is, you know, within the realm of reality. And and there's a chance that Trey Waynes can go out there and be a very solid corner. But and there's a chance he can have the best year of his career. I think that that could definitely happen. But the best year of his career, I'm not sure, is even worth 14 million dollars a year. Sure. Depending on how good that best year is. And, and, and he may never deliver on the money. Like at that at this point, I'm not even worried about the money. They did it. Uh, obviously, you wouldn't do it again if you could go back in time. Absolutely, you'd go with someone else and take that money and apply it elsewhere. But they did it. So now, that's that's gotta. I don't know. To me, that is my expectation, and it's damn high. And 
there's a, a better shot than not that he falls short of it. But that's that's where I am on Trey Waynes, especially after last season. And the injury isn't his fault. It doesn't matter. It's time to prove it. It's time to show not only the Bengals but the rest of the league that that contract isn't just completely – isn't a complete bust. Well, James, if I've learned anything from this episode of the podcast, it's that you use expectations to mean standards, and I use expectations to mean what I think will happen or maybe to use the word in a sentence, what I expect – will happen. Regardless, we've got a flash round to get to. We'll get into the rest of the questions that we can fit into this mailbag coming up next. We talk about Bilt Bar all the time here on Locked on Bengals. It is the best protein bar on the planet. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and amazing taste. Each and every bar covered in 100% chocolate. And now it's time to figure out which Bilt Bar is the best with Built Bar Madness. If you haven't done it yet, and even if you have, just bookmark it, builtbar.com, or go to at bar underscore built on Twitter. Check out each matchup daily in Built Bar Madness in their quest to crown the best tasting protein bar on the planet. And while you're there at builtbar.com, remember to use the promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCK15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. James, we went long on the first, I don't know, three, four questions of the mailbag, which means it's time to implement the lightning round rules. That means no more than 30 seconds per answer, and we're not going to enforce it. And it means only one of us gets to answer the question with no rebuttal and no conversation. So we're going to go quick. First question, Matt Wells at Matt Wells 4. How confident are you in the Bengals wide receiver group if they don't address the position in the first three rounds? I'm not, because outside of Tyler Boyd, outside of T. Higgins, there's no one you can bank on. Mike Thomas didn't have a touchdown until last year when he was in stripes. He's been in the league for multiple years now, five, six years. Uh, it's it's tough. Auden Tate coming off of injury. I know Bengals fans love him. I don't think he's a wide receiver three. So to me, they need to take a wide receiver on day one or day two of the draft. Next question comes from Ronnie Swango. Jake, run pass boot. Jamar Chase and Wyatt Davis in rounds one or two, Penny Sewell and Rondell Moore in rounds one or two, or Kyle Pitts and Alex Leatherwood in rounds one or two? I'm running with Kyle Pitts and Alex Leatherwood. I think that gets a special player in round one and a special athlete in round two who can develop into a really good offensive lineman. I am passing on Jamar Chase and Wyatt Davis just because of Alex Leatherwood, and I think Pitts and Chase is really, really close. And then I'm booting Penny Sewell and Rondale Moore because Rondale Moore doesn't have the size I want to play outside in the NFL despite the special athleticism. He doesn't have the injury history that I'm looking for for a reliable extra wide receiver. And despite how good Sewell is, I really like the second round pick there with Alex Leatherwood. Next question to you, James, from Andrea Lenz at Badworm94. Coming from Switzerland with this question, if the Bengals pick an offensive tackle at five, who are your favorite options for 38, both position-wise and player-wise? Well, you're certainly looking at wide receiver if one's there. Terrace Marshall, Rondo Moore, two guys that you would certainly be interested in, depending on what the Bengals do pass rush-wise. Jason Oa, we saw him crush it at his pro day, running, what, a 4-4-6. Four, four, if he happens to fall to the second round, I know the production wasn't there at Penn State, but man, is he a freak athlete? I think he'll be on their board. And, and that's the thing is you're probably taking out all these potential tackles. The Alex Leatherwoods of the world, 
uh, the the Eichenbergs, all these guys that could potentially be there, you're passing on them because you already took Penny Sewell, and that's the risk if you take Sewell at five. Next question comes from Jimmy. Assuming that Sewell is still available at five, is he an automatic pick for the Bengals, or could you see them going for Pitts or Chase? I think that I could see them going for Chase. I do not think that the Bengals are necessarily as high on Kyle Pitts as the rest of the world with, with Mel Kuyper, for example, mocking Kyle Pitts to the Bengals. I just don't know if they are there. I think that they would prefer the wide receiver. And we've got the report today, James, that Joe Burrow may or may not be pounding the table for his guy, Jamar Chase, which, hey, more power to you, Joe. I wouldn't hate that. So I don't think it's an automatic pick because of the offensive line depth. There should be a very good player available at the top of the second round. And those two guys you mentioned, Pitts and Chase, very rare talents for that fifth pick. Next question, Thomas Eller. At Thomas Eller 18 asks, James, if Penny Sewell is there for the Bengals and the Bengals draft him, will they move him to right tackle? Will they move Jonah? Where do you play Penny Sewell on the 2021 Cincinnati Bengals? I think he'll be their starting right tackle. And I think Riley Reef will move inside to right guard, and that will essentially fill two needs. And then you keep Jonah at left tackle. And maybe it's the other way. Maybe they put Sewell at right guard for a year and then put him at right tackle. I don't think Jonah's moving. And I think I'm in the minority there. A lot of people say, oh, well, move Jonah inside. I've seen that a lot, especially after the Reef signing. I don't think that's going to happen right away. They could always do that later, but I think they believe Jonah's the right tackle to play left tackle. <laughs> See what I did there, Jake? Next like question it. comes from Andrew Gates at Gates828 on Twitter. What happens if the Bengals leave the rest of the free agent budget on the table? <laughs> and and he was asking this question as it pertains to do the Bengals just pocket it? Is there a minimum? Is there is there a floor? Ah. There is a floor. The Bengals don't really need to worry about that, I don't think, this year, because as I recall, it's a it's a rolling average kind of thing. I don't think the Bengals need to worry about the salary cap floor. If they leave the rest of the money on the table, it rolls over to the next year. And I've talked about why I don't think that makes sense. I've talked about why I think they're going to have to go out there and spend that money. And we've talked about the fact that that $11 million they keep talking about for rookies, injuries, etc., is not going to be consumed on the cap. That's just not the way it works. So... Don't expect them to leave the rest of the free agent budget on the table, but if they do, more money for the Brown family. Next question comes from our old friend Joe, at Joe Goodberry on Twitter. Goodberry would like to know, James, in replacing the two captains that the Bengals have lost in free agency so far, and Joe, it's actually three, hate to tell you there, who replaces them in 2021? Well, you lose Sean Williams. The natural one is Jesse Bates and... Heck, I asked him if he wanted to be the Joe Burrow of the defense. He said yes, so I think that's a an easy one. A.J. Green, well, who's the the longest-standing, most accomplished receiver on the roster now? It's Tyler Boyd, so that's a, a quick fix. Josh Bynes, who knows? Maybe they do re-sign Bynes. If not, I, I'll give you a sneaky one here, a newcomer, Mike Hilton. I could see Mike Hilton potentially emerging there. And then uh, Giovanni Bernard, if they do end up trading him, that's another vacancy. And maybe Joe Mixon steps up and becomes a leader in that locker room. I would love to see it. We'll see if it happens. One other guy I'm going to throw out there, Samaje Pirine, special teams captain. Ah, you and you and your love for Samaje. I could see that happening. Next question in our lightning round comes from Zach at CincyCB on Twitter. How do the Bengals free agency moves 
this year affect their ability to re-sign Jesse Bates next offseason? We'll need top-of-the-market safety money, right? Yeah, I think this is a really good question. And I've talked about the extensions a little bit in the past. There's a piece I did on Cincy Jungle that talks about the cap and cash implications. The Bengals are currently spending $158 million in cash in 2021. That is distinct from cap expenditures and cap accounting. The easiest way to think about it is cash spend, actual money out of the bank versus cap, which is just an accounting exercise. When are we going to realize that on our income statement? So for Jesse Bates, assuming he gets top of market money, say the Bengals want to give him a big signing bonus this year. They have about $15 million in cash that I expect them to spend on non-rookies in 2021. Now, what would that impact be on the salary cap? Could be as little as, say, two, three, four million dollars if they put that all into signing bonus money. That gets prorated over the life of the deal. Say it's a four-year extension. They give him a $15 million bonus. Works out to be just under $4 million in a cap hit coming into the current year. So really, the, the, the free agency moves this year have not limited them in any way whatsoever in their quest to extend Jesse Bates if that's something they want to do. Next question comes from Anthony Kendall at Anthony underscore Kendall. He says he loves a pod. James always liked to see those kind words. He did a few mocks on the PFF mock draft simulator, and he thinks that the value for offensive line is better in round two than it is for wide receiver. Do we agree? And he also wishes they would have done more on the offensive line and free agency, but he thinks he'll be forced to go offensive line in first in the first round. So two questions there. Is the value better for offensive line in the second round? And do you think the Bengals are going to be forced to go offensive line in the first round? Let's start with the second question first. Hell no, they're not forced to do it. And I hate when people, you know, put that out there or they're their analysts, Dan Orlovsky, uh, earlier this week, Penny Sewell, it's all about protecting, and the draft isn't one round. And, and Anthony gets it, Anthony. You're a smart listener, and thank you for the kind words. Absolutely, the value is better in round two with tackle. That's what I'm saying. Like Alex Leatherwood or you know any of these guys, right? Whatever tackle you're thinking about could be 80 to 85% of Penny Sewell. Well, I don't think there's a, a wide receiver that's going to be 80 to 85% of Jamar Chase in round two. I just don't. I think they're going to go to the back end of round one, early round two, and and you miss out. So I'm totally with you, Anthony. I think the value is much better. And if you take Chase in round one, you can get a, a very capable tackle in round two. Next question comes from Zach at Scalf on Twitter. Do we think these last two off seasons are the standard for the Bengals off seasons now? I don't. I don't really. I think that these are pretty unique situations, and I think that it really needs to be taken on a case-by-case basis. You look at Baltimore right now. They had a very quiet offseason. You look at Pittsburgh, very quiet offseason. Some of that impacted by the cap and the amount of talent on those teams. But I do think that it will be situational every year. But I think what this does tell us is that when they do find themselves needing to fill holes, they will use free agency as an avenue to bolster the roster. They're not going to entirely rely on the draft going forward. I think that's a bit of an organizational shift in philosophy, but it won't be as extreme as this year. And it, and I do think it has been extreme this year and last year in a lot of ways in terms of they're going out and signing a lot of external free agents to a degree that we don't usually see them do. And the reason for that is because they've missed on draft picks or the ones they have hit on and William Jackson and Carl Lawson have left the team. So they're not doing as good of a job, or maybe they're average in terms of retaining their talent. And it just so happens that they're not hitting on draft picks. 
And so that's led to a big free agency spending surge. So I think what we'll see change is that they'll be willing to go out and and sign guys in free agency to fill holes. But I don't necessarily think it'll be so widespread, or at least I hope it's not so widespread in future years, because I hope the roster is more talented going into these off seasons and there are fewer needs in the future. That was our last question, James. How do you think the lightning round went? I think that was we, I think we just did like 10 questions in our last segment after doing like three or four in our first two. I like the lightning round. It's pretty fun. There were a couple times where I was ready to chime in and then I reminded myself, hey, it's a lightning round, idiot. But uh, we got it done. It was a lot of fun. Maybe we should make this a part. Here's the key to this becoming a weekly thing, though, Jake, so we can answer as many questions as possible. We need the questions. People showed up today and gave us, like you said, over 100 responses on Twitter at Locked on Bengals. If we get that every week, I think it's pretty safe to say we can do a lightning round every week. I think it makes a lightning round just necessary going forward. We only got to 10% or so of the questions that our listeners sent us anyway. We're going to continue answering your questions every week we do a mailbag. We'll be there for you when there's breaking news. So make sure you do subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts so they come to you without you having to click a button five days a week and anytime there's breaking Bengals news. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one.